All right, First Chronicles 28 is our text this evening. First Chronicles 28, the first ten verses. First Chronicles 28, verses 1 through 10. I realize perhaps maybe you do not have your Bible here with you this evening. So I'll read the passage for us. The Bible says, David assembled all the princes of Israel, the princes of the tribes and the captains of the companies that ministered to the king by course, and the captains over the thousands and captains over the hundreds and the stewards over all the substance and possession of the king and of his sons with the officers and with the mighty men and with all the valiant men unto Jerusalem. Then David the king stood up upon his feet and said, Hear me, my brethren, And my people, as for me, I had it in mine heart to build a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God and had made ready for the building. But God said unto me, Thou shalt not build a house for my name because thou hast been a man of war and hast shed blood. Howbeit the Lord God of Israel chose me before all the house of my father to be king over Israel forever. For he hath chosen Judah to be the ruler And of the house of Judah, the house of my father, and among the sons of my father, he liked me to make me king over all Israel. And of all my sons, for the Lord hath given me many sons, he hath chosen Solomon, my son, to sit upon the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. And he said unto me, Solomon, thy son, he shall build my house and my courts, for I have chosen him to be my son, and I will be his father." Moreover, I will establish his kingdom forever, if he be constant to do my commandments and my judgments as at this day. Now, therefore, in the sight of all Israel, the congregation of the Lord, and in the audience of our God, keep and seek for all the commandments of the Lord your God, that ye may possess this good land, and leave it for an inheritance for your children after you forever. And thou, Solomon, my son, Know thou the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. The Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. Take heed now, for the Lord hath chosen thee to build an house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. And my message this evening is God's plan for the perpetuity of His work. In other words, what is God's plan to carry forward His work from one generation to the next? That's what we want to consider here. I have a single word as a title for this message this evening. It's the word chosen. That word chosen brings many things to mind. For me, it brings to mind uh, schoolyard scenes from when I was a little boy and how I remember loving the sports and whether it was softball or it was uh, a game of ball hockey. And I remember how that we would draw up sides and there would be a couple of captains. And then those captains would stand back and look at the array of talent and uh, they would make their choices, and they would say, I pick so-and-so, and I pick so-and-so, and they would alternate those picks till the last man was standing. And, you know, it was always a great feeling to be chosen. 
The earlier you were chosen, the better you felt about it. You know what I'm talking about. And so that, that's an idea of being chosen. And how about those of you that are married tonight? You know, it's a wonderful thing, isn't it? That how that for better or for worse, a man and a woman, they choose one another. And some say, well, you know, it's more the guy that does the choosing. He asks for the date and pursues a relationship. Yeah, but ladies, you know what? Ultimately, you had a choice to make too, right? Uh, to fish or cut bait, as they say. And um, you know what? In my case, I am so glad that 32 years ago, Cindy Nelson chose me. And uh, we've had a wonderful life together, and we're just getting started, right, hon? And so it's wonderful to be chosen. Of course, biblically, it brings to our mind other imagery, that of the nation of Israel as the chosen people of God. We're reading about David and Solomon here in our text. David uh, was the chosen of God. Now, the first king of Israel was Saul. We might say he was the people's choice. But David was a man after God's own heart, and, and he was God's choice to rule over the people. David, by the time we uh, read his speech here in 1 Chronicles 28, had enjoyed a long and illustrious career. He had been used by God in many ways. Uh, as a warrior, as a psalmist, uh, as a king, he brought both unity and peace to the borders of Israel. He was the beloved king of the people. But David's reign was near to its end. He would soon die. And the one thing that was in his heart all down through those years, which he never was able to see through to fruition, was to build that house... For the Lord, that the temple there at Jerusalem. He would not see that. He would not be the one that built that temple. But God showed him that Solomon, the son, would come after him and do that wondrous work. And so David informs his son Solomon in the presence of all the elders of Israel in verse number 10. And it says, the Lord hath chosen thee. So God has His chosen people. Aren't you glad for that? For every time and place. And in addition to looking at Israel in the Old Testament, thinking about men like David and Solomon, others such as Abraham, Joseph, and Daniel come to mind. How about Esther? Remember those words of Mordecai, her cousin, who said, Who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? In other words, Mordecai said to Esther, You've been chosen by God for a very specific time and purpose. And even today, God has chosen people to carry forward His purposes in this world. You know, this singing group from Faithway, we're here tonight. And um, they don't have a name. I got a name for them because they were chosen to serve. They were chosen to sing. Wouldn't chosen be a wonderful name for a group like that? Feel free to use that. You don't have to pay me any royalties. It's all yours, all right? Um, it's a wonderful thing to be chosen and to be used of God. God's evangelistic purpose 
in the world today is carried forth by the local church. And so it stands to reason that he will choose and use individuals and congregations to that end. And as I think about the history of MIBC, and I go back further than 20 years because for me, it all began the day that I got saved. And I realized that God chose me. And... Um, then the day that God called me to preach. And the day that <clears throat> Brother Hiltz approached me in 1996 and said, Brian, I want you to pray about starting this church in Mississauga. I remember wrestling with that for a couple of weeks, and I uh, one evening ended up after church visitation in an empty church parking lot in Townsend, Ontario. And I was just praying. I said, Lord, you've got to show me. You've got to uh, give me some scripture. Uh, just confirm this in my heart. And God brought me to Luke chapter 5 and verse 4, where Jesus said to Peter, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And I saw it right there in black and white. Actually, I, I, I can't remember if I had a red letter edition or not, but it was black and white to me. It was clear cut. I said, all right, Lord, we'll go into that great sea of humanity, the city of Toronto, Mississauga, and we'll see what you have to do. There's no doubt in my mind that from the early days, God chose MIBC. God chose this church. That's evident even from the wonderful team of co-laborers he put together right at the very beginning. That was evident to me uh, from the early blessings and how that uh, people were just knit together and uh, we were able to uh, distribute all these John enrollments. I believe there were 110,000 John enrollments that went out into the homes of Mississauga. Over 50,000 of those were hand-delivered. And, you know, it's just an amazing thing. I'll never forget, there, there were a few negatives in all of that. I, I remember getting some nasty phone calls. People were angry that the Scriptures were dropped off at their door. But, you know, by and large, God used His Word in people's lives. I love the video from the Williams this morning. You know, I'll, maybe you need that John Aroman signed. You know, it's a commemorative edition. Original John Aromas that they got at their doorstep. I remember a fellow named Rod Pinkson. He came to church and got saved in the early years. And Rod brought that John Aromans along with him like it was an admission ticket to church. And then he told me the story how he had gotten that John Aromans um, on his doorstep and he kept it on top of his refrigerator for a year. And finally, he pulled that thing down and he started putting it in his lunchbox when he went to work. And he said for about the space of three or four months, every day he brought that John of Romans with him. And at his lunch break, he'd, he'd pull it out and he'd begin to read. And he said it reminded him of the Bible that his mother had. And so for all those three or four months, God was just working on him. God was working on him. Finally came to church. That Sunday morning, he got saved. <laughs> it was evident, even from the place God chose for us at River Grove Community Center, that God had chosen this church 
for his, to pour out his wonderful blessings. And I want to say to every one of you, God chose you. God chose you in salvation. God chose you to be members of this church. You know, an ecclesia, a local church, is a called out assembly. You're not here because anyone coerced you to be part of this church. You know, we didn't offer you cheap trinkets. You know, we didn't have some promotional gimmick to get you here. God brought you to this place. And that's a wonderful thing. God has chosen you for service. He's chosen you in sanctification. And now as we move forward from 20 years, God has chosen some new leadership. And a new generation to rise up and serve God here at MIBC. And that thrills my heart. I'm telling you what, Pastor Alcock, God's going to use you in a tremendous way. I pray God will give you 20 years as a senior pastor here, if not more. And I'm excited to see what God will do in those days. I'm thrilled with our new deacons and some young men and young women in the church rising up and serving God in some wonderful ways. I mean, even this banquet, the celebration tonight is evidence of that. All the work that's gone into it. And I've enjoyed it thoroughly. I've been blessed. Just as with David and Solomon in those foundational days of the kingdom of Israel, God's chosen us to carry His work forward. And I want us now to look at these four principles. I promised you four principles. I'll not keep you long with these, but... You may want to write them down because I think they're worth remembering. Four principles involved in moving God's work forward. If we're truly chosen of God, every one of these principles ought to be important in our lives. Every one of these principles ought to be practiced in our lives. Every one of these uh, principles ought to be dear to our hearts. The first one is a spiritual principle. And you see that in verse number 9 of our text. And here's the message from David to his son. Thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father and serve him with a perfect heart and a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him... Uh, He will cast thee off forever. I want you to understand something. That Solomon's greatest need, his first need, his most important need that David saw was a spiritual need. If Solomon would ever be a good king, if Solomon would ever uh, carry through to fruition the work of God in building the temple... He needed first to have a proper relationship with God. And that's true for every one of us tonight. Our spiritual condition is the most important facet of our life. We're chosen of God. But we need to live spiritual lives. That involves three things. It involves a perfect heart. David said, serve him with a perfect heart. The the idea here is that of being complete, whole. Full. 
And the most common use of this perfect heart is the idea of a person and many times use of the kings of Israel and of Judah who would be wholly devoted to the Lord or that would go about doing their work in serving God wholeheartedly. It's the idea that we read in 2 Chronicles 16.9, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein thou hast done foolishly. Uh, therefore, from th- uh, henceforth thou shalt have wars. But God is looking for that man, that woman tonight, who has a perfect heart towards him, who is completely given over to serving God. And that's, that's part of that spiritual principle. Listen, we're not here to be half-hearted in serving God. We need a perfect heart. We need a complete heart. We need ourselves wholly given to this matter of serving God. Whatever facet of ministry it is for us within the church. And then we need a willing mind. Willing is the idea of to desire something, to take pleasure in it. It means one who desires or delights in something. So uh, the willing mind isn't just, well, okay, you know what? If nobody else will do it, I'll do it. The, The idea of the willing mind is let me be first in line. The willing mind is saying, you know what? It's a great privilege to serve God. It's a great privilege to walk with my Savior. It's a spiritual principle even in our service. It's a perfect heart, willing mind, and it's a seeking soul. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. Matthew six thirty three says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I'll have more to say the next couple of Sundays, uh, you know, as far as final words as senior pastor to this congregation. But if I could leave you any message tonight, it'd be this. Have a thirst and a hunger for God. Never stop seeking Him. That's what it's all about, folks. This is not about you. It's not about me. The reason we're here tonight, it's all about God. And glorifying Him. And knowing Him. And walking with Him. Pastor Alcock talked about faithfulness this morning. How faithful God is. We know God's faithful. The the fact of the matter is, we're going to have mountaintops and we're going to have valleys. We're going to have... We're going to have days, you know, we wish we could just close the blinds and forget about it. We're going to have other days that we're on the mountaintop. But through it all, who's the one that carries us through the good and the bad? It's God. Seek Him. Love Him. Know Him. And so that's the spiritual principle. We're chosen to a spiritual life. But there's also a material principle. That's right. You know, it, it, it is a spiritual life we live, but we live it in a material world. And so there are responsibilities that we have within that material world. And look at this in verse 10. David says, Take heed now, for the Lord hath chosen thee to do what? Build a house for the sanctuary. And then he says this in very straightforward, plain language. He says, Be strong and do it. Just do it. That's a no-nonsense approach. 
And folks, I want you to understand something. The work of God involves not only a spiritual principle, but a material principle. Don't kid yourself for a moment. I mean, this wonderful occasion this evening doesn't happen if everybody says, well, let's just pray about it. Okay? I'm certain prayer went into this. But you know what? Someone has to... Someone has to say, you know what? I'll put the I'll put the uh, video together. I'll work on some decorations. I'll work on the planning. I'll make a cake. I'll put these beautiful decorations together. I'll print a banner. I'll I'll be the hands and I'll be the feet. And I'll serve and I'll do this and I and it's a material principle. And it involves many times physical, tangible resources. Verse 11 through 19, if we were to read further down, as well as chapter 22 and on into chapter 29, David provides great detail. As he said to Solomon, you're going to build the temple. But he says, listen, God's given me the plans and I'm leaving the plans in your capable hands. God has not only given David the plans for that building, but David says, look, uh, as the plunders of war, David had been a warrior, the plunders of war, I have amassed great quantities of gold and silver. In fact, the Bible says over 37,000 tons of silver and over 3,000 tons of gold were set aside by King David in preparation for the temple. Now, that's amazing, isn't it? And without that material resource, Solomon could never have begun to do what he did. And, uh, of course, then it involves the labor and the stewardship of both those physical resources and the people who would be involved in the work. And I want to challenge Mississauga International Baptist Church under the leadership of Pastor Alcock and the fine men and women of this congregation be strong and do it and take up that mantle of a material principle to say God has physical, tangible work for us to do. Now, it may be something like this and and planning great services and programs and ministries for the church. But also, I'd say, do you take pride in the facility that God gives you? Right now, it's Malton Baptist Church where the church meets. You know, take pride in that and, and pray about that and see what God would have you to do right there. Down the road, Should the Lord, and I believe God will open up something at some point where you have your own facility. But take pride in it. And say, this is is what God's given us. We'll be good stewards of it. And we'll put forward a good testimony for God. And we'll, we'll put our feet and our hands and our intellect to that work. And we'll give our resources to it. And don't shy away from that material principle. Don't shrink back into that cave and say, well, it's all about the spiritual. We're just going to have our little holy huddle till Jesus comes. No, we've got to sometimes get a little bit of dirt under our fingernails as we go through and serve God. You know what? We've got to sustain some bumps and bruises. It's not always easy. But God blesses people that are unafraid to work. So be strong and do it. Then there is a theological principle, and we go down to verse number 20. David said to Solomon, his son, be strong and of good courage and do it. There it is again. Fear not, nor be dismayed, for the Lord God, even my God, will be with thee. 
He will not fail thee nor forsake thee until thou hast finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. I want you to see that there is the spiritual principle, the material principle, but then there's the theological principle. And what's the theological principle? Essentially, it's, it's this. We serve God. And there is a God who is the creator. He is the sovereign. He is over all. And without him, we are nothing. And David says, look, Solomon, I want you to be a spiritual man. I want you to be a steward of material resources. But I want you to understand, son, that without God, you're nothing. And God will help you in the work that he has for you. That theological principle includes the fact of God's presence. The Lord God, even my God, David says, will be with thee. He'll be with thee. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee. That theological principle involves the fact of God's power. He will not fail thee. That theological principle includes the fact of God's perfection. In other words, God's ability to complete whatever he begins. It says, until thou hast finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. I love Psalm 138 and verse 8 where the Bible says, The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Forsake not the works of thine own hands. How about Philippians 1.6? Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And that's why I, I love the theme already and how it was brought forward even in our little video tonight. That 20 years, while it's quite a milestone, and we pause, we reflect... And then tomorrow morning, we hit the reset button and say we're just beginning. Because what God has begun here in 20 years is by no means finished. God has much more to accomplish. We have a city, a Peel region of 1.5 million people. A greater Toronto area of six plus million. The greater Horseshoe approaching nine million. 37, 38 million souls across Canada. And the need has never been greater for God's Word to be faithfully preached from pulpits in our land. The need has never been greater for people to have a personal, individual confrontation with the Gospel of Jesus Christ. The need has never been greater for people lost, men and women, teenagers, young people in our society to understand that there's Christians who actually live the Christian life and will be a genuine example of God's love and concern and His grace. The need has never been greater to plant churches, to send out missionaries, to get His work done. And so I want you to understand, though, that God's in the business of completing whatever He begins. All we have to do is be available instruments in His hands. And so I, I believe that you have that mindset. I believe you have the right leadership in place. I believe that the right group of people is assembled. Surrender to Him. Serve Him. Love Him. Finally,
It's a cooperational principle. I love the way David brings it out in verse 21. He says, Behold, the courses of the priests and the Levites, even they shall be with thee for all the service of the house of God. And there shall be with thee for all manner of workmanship, every willing, skillful man for any manner of service. Also the princes and all the people will be holy at thy commandment. David informs Solomon that, you know, it's all about God, but you're going to have this wonderful army of co-laborers to get it done. Solomon, you can't do it on your own. Okay? No leader is sufficient in and of himself. A leader must surround himself and be surrounded by people that will also faithfully serve. People that are gifted. People that have God-given skills and spiritual gifts and abilities. People that are of the same mind and the same heart. And that's how God's work goes forward. And it's a cooperational principle. And so we see in this one verse, David brings out the fact that there'll be a variety of individuals. Unique in themselves. He talks about priests and Levites. Even they shall be with thee for all the service of the house of God. And the fact is that in the local church, you need spiritual leaders. You need pastors. You need deacons. You need spiritual men. And you also need spiritual women that will serve as examples and leaders. And there's a great mantle of responsibility that falls on their shoulders. And so if God has entrusted you with a position of leadership, never take it for granted. Take it seriously and just and serve God with your whole heart. But that's not where it ends because the Bible talks about the fact here, David brings out how there'll be skilled laborers. He says, there will be with thee for all manner of workmanship. Every willing, skillful man. You say, well, I'm not a, you know, I, I, I'm not one of those people that will be a pastor. I'm not one of those individuals that, that will be a deacon. I'm not one of those that will get up and teach and speak and be sort of that upfront spiritual leader. Okay, I totally get that. But what has God given you? Somebody has skills to put all this together. People have skills to work with their hands and make beautiful cakes. People have skills in all kinds of artsy and crafty ways. Some people can sing. They can play an instrument in the orchestra. Some people have wonderful people skills. And they're able to communicate with another individual and really make them feel welcome. You know, our... our <coughs> Uh, greeters at Mississauga International Baptist Church, if you ask me, are the best in the world. Amen. Let's give them a hand. <laughs> I'll tell you what, second to none. And and the spirit of this church, it's it's just amazing. My wife and I, Cindy will tell you, we, we, we travel at times, even these past few weeks, been in a number of different churches. We get back home, and there's no place like MIBC, I want to tell you right now. What you have here is special. 
If you saw me smile as I was sitting on the platform this morning, it's because my wife was texting me during a church service. And this is what she texted me. She, she texted me and she asked a question. How come our church has so much life? <laughs> Compared to some places we've been, I'll tell you what, there's a spirit that's alive and it's vibrant and it's all about Him. Okay, So that tells me that even just bringing your smile, packing your smile and coming to church with that, is, is valuable right there. What do you have? You've got something that you can give to contribute to the work and, and make MIBC a better place. Okay? And I see across the board people that sort of embrace that. Uh, uh, you, you embrace that philosophy. You, you don't come and say, well, what, I'm, I'm going to come here and I'm going to find what's wrong with the church. You know... Uh, Pastor Chapel out in California, he uses the illustration and I like it. He says, you know, every day in the desert, there are these buzzards, these vultures that soar high overhead of the sands of the desert. And they're, they're uh, scouring the desert landscape for something that is dead. They're looking for rotten flesh. And every day, those buzzards find what they're looking for. But he said also every day in the desert, there's these little hummingbirds that will flit from one cactus to another. And what are they looking for? They're looking for a freshly blooming flower that will offer to share its sweet nectar with them. And every day, those hummingbirds find what they're looking for. And so, the illustration basically is this. As a Christian, we can choose to be a buzzard or a hummingbird. And if you're lo- whatever you're looking for, listen, it's true. Whatever you're looking for in the church, you're going to find it. And if you're looking for that which is sweet and uplifting and glorifying to God, and that which is praiseworthy and helpful and ought to be thought upon, you're going to find it. Bless God. But if you're looking for the dead, rotting flesh, and if you're looking for just something to criticize, you're going to find that too. Okay? You're either part of the solution or you're part of the problem. All right? It's amazing when you're on the way out what you can get away with saying. It's great. <laughs> so there are priests and Levites, there's the skilled laborers, and then um, David adds uh, another couple of groups and kind of lumped together, and I think what, what it says is important. He says it's the princes and all the people. So we've already identified the spiritual leaders, we've just... Uh, identified, gifted, skilled people. And then, just so that no one's missed, Paul, or David, pardon me, he paints this picture of a demographic that goes from the top right down to the, through every strata, every social group, every skill level. And he says, the, from the princes and all the people. So, you know what? If, if you have an elevated position... And God's blessed you with skills and resources and leadership. You ought to be serving God. 
But even if not, you say, well, you know what? I'm just ordinary Joe. I'm just that common guy or that common gal. David says all the people are going to be involved. And that's what it takes to carry forward the work of God. And I want to say to you tonight, Mississauga International Baptist Church, to a person that I would not exclude one individual in this room and say, you are chosen. You are chosen. You are chosen. God wants to use you in a great way. All you need to do is step up to the plate and say, I'm available, God. I'll be used of you. And it's, it'll be amazing to think of what a mighty army of God's people like this could accomplish. And so may God bless you. Now, in closing, maybe you're here tonight. I know we have uh, some folks. Uh, uh, we have guests. We have some folks I've, uh, I've only seen maybe a, a time or two before. But you're all here, and we're thankful you're all here tonight. Uh, maybe even some of you, you've come to Mississauga International Baptist Church over the years. But maybe, maybe you're here tonight and you're realizing that you're not sure that you're on your way to heaven. Maybe you're here tonight and you're realizing, I'm not even sure I'm saved. You say, could I really be one of those that are chosen by God? Listen, my Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And Jesus died for you. He gave his life 2,000 years ago on an old rugged cross. He shed his blood. Why? Because we're all sinners. We're all guilty. We're all lawbreakers. And Jesus died to take upon himself the penalty for your sin and for mine. And if you're not saved tonight... You know, if you came here and said, well, I'm going to enjoy this celebration, I'm going to enjoy a good meal, a fun time, and then I'm going to go my separate way. But if you came here not understanding that God desires for you to be saved, you can leave tonight, you can go home with the greatest reality upon your heart, knowing that God's chosen you for salvation. And I would encourage you, before you leave, talk to someone you came with. Seek out one of the pastors. Seek out someone that can help you understand how you can be saved. How you can know for sure that your sin is forgiven. How you can know for sure that heaven is your eternal home. Even before you leave here this evening. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for these few moments together. Lord, thank you for the sweet fellowship tonight. And all that we've enjoyed, Lord, you're so much better to us than what we could ever imagine and what we ever deserve. And so, Lord, I pray you take your word and just seal it to our hearts. And we thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen.